Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. G'day and welcome to Thrash and Treasure, the Torture Chamber musical comedy podcast where two scatterbrains lobotomize each other's music. And speaking of brains, he's Evan. Shit, I fucked that up. I'm Aaron. <laughs> and guess what? We have another diva in the studio today, and I'm so excited I've tickled my ivories pink. This guest is an ascending star in musical theatre and officially the second bravest composer in New York City with transcendent musical contributions to the plays Rain and Zoe Save the World and King Kirby about the underappreciated Marvel Comics creator, Jack Kirby, as well as sketching out the score and songs for several cinematic shorts such as Street Right, Seeking Alice and Startup.com, it's simply safe to say that this season Songstress is swiftly cementing his spot in stage society. So please give a warm good morning, Mr. Cronin, to the New York <laughs> Film Academy professor, whose catalogue of musicals includes Daybreak, The Concrete Jungle, Till Soon and Till Soon and Two, Till Death Do Us Part, which sounds just as cheerful as today's chosen musical. And just like Mary and Max, an Aussie Mary is no wait and just like max and mary this grumpy old curmudgeon is throwing a huge g'day to that american mm, no wait let's not insult another guest anyways it's mr bobby cronin welcome to the torture chamber how are you going i'm doing well how are you doing i'm uh yeah scatterbrained as usual it's uh <laughs> nothing new it's part of your charm part of my charm oh, thank you at least someone thinks i'm charming around here anyway so um <laughs> Yeah, you've been in lockdown and, and obviously you're a, a composer and a lyricist and an artist, a dramatist, if you will. Uh, have you been productive in lockdown? Um, yes. You know, I was set to have three major productions and a huge concert in London mm -hmm. all in 2020. Ouch. And they were just all one day I was told that's not happening. One of them was a world premiere of Till Death to Us Part was going to have its world premiere in San Diego. Oh, and um yeah, so after I um, ate about 4,000 sweets and drank a lot of champagne, I decided to get my act together and figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. I'd never done a podcast before, so uh, my Mary Max co-writer approached me to ask if I would score King Kirby yep. for her. And I had read the play, and um, when it was off-Broadway, it was a very well-reviewed piece, so I would would have been dumb to say no. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was exactly something I needed to do. It was just you know, to exercise a part of my brain that was being put on mute for a while. Yep. And then once that happened, then I started like just doing readings on Zoom. And in fact, it's how I got um, our Mary and Max producers. Oh, wow. Yep, it was a Zoom reading. I did like an audio drama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just did whatever I could to stay busy. Oh, I gosh, I forgot a huge thing. So um, I teach at um, this amazing school down the Jersey Shore, not like the Jersey Shore on TV, but the Jersey Shore called the prep, the professional performance prep. That sounds less fun. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're great, though. They are uh, like Broadway kids. Yeah. And um, lots of TV film kids and and everyone just like me, everyone had their we had a boy who was literally the next day going into Harry Potter and boom, the world closed. So um, we were going to do a reading of this children's piece that I'd written called Psy Kids, okay, which is yeah. about kids with psychic abilities. And someone that runs the prep 
said, could you make it a movie? And I was like, how? There's no way to make a movie. We can't do anything. And she was like, well, what if we figure out a way to like film on Zoom or like you're on Zoom and we film with an iPhone? I had never done something like that. It took a month of filming and a year of editing yep. because it was literally every single line had to be yep. put into place yes. because we had to film everyone se separately. Yeah, kind of like the Sex in the City cast. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was quite the challenge, but uh, I'm glad. It, I'm glad we did it. We premiered it at. Um, we actually rented a movie theater out and yeah. and premiered it, and it was really cool. It was a. I couldn't go because of COVID. Because that day, literally the day of the premiere, um, my roommate was. Uh, tested positive for COVID. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I couldn't go to my the film that I'd spent the last year working my tail off on. But it was a great learning experience. I got so much better at um, at digital audio stuff. Yeah. You know, stuff that I really only used for demos, I now was like a pro at. So yeah, that's good. I also um, produced uh, an album of not my work, but a student of mine, this amazing young songwriter who she's shy and in high school and writes these great tunes and she writes them on ukulele and i you know hired musicians and arranged everything and did a lot of it digitally and mm -hmm. that has been so i've just been trying to keep my 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 music skills and my writing skills active yeah just in a way that's different yeah that's it now well they'd say that necessity is some other invention i say it's boredom uh, but I, I would just like to clarify to anybody out there who might have cringed up. I was kidding about the Jersey Shore thing. Nothing on this earth is making me watch that fucking show. So <laughs> anyways, now Broadway is obviously reopening. What shows yes. are you eager to see? Um, uh, just I'm, hang on, I'm before really... you answer, we're getting a weird hissing apparently, according to Evan, is that might be atmosphere. Yeah, it's only, it's only when you talk. Oh, that might mm. be my cold soul. <laughs> Anyway, no, it could be it could be a Zoom problem. It could be a Zoom problem. Oh, look, I can fix it up in ADR. The only time it's a problem is when it's the guest audio that's screwed up because it's horrible having to go to them and say, "You sound shit." <laughs> um. Anyway, so yes, what Broadway shows? What what's reopened? Uh, what are you looking forward to? Uh, so last mm. night, Wicked and Chicago and Hamilton and Lion King all opened, which is cool. I don't know if you've seen that really special video of the beginning of Wicked. I did. Uh, my eye oh. twitched so much. We'll get to that later. That was, that was really nice. Yeah, I saw it. I, I, I didn't get time to watch it. I look, it's sweet. I'll say in these circumstances, for audiences to interrupt a show like that, that's sweet. Yes. I agree. After this, let's stop this shit. Anyway, sit the fuck down. <laughs> Talking to myself there. Anyway, sorry, continue. What what are you eager to see? I'm I'm excited to see some new stuff. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I'm glad that things came back. There's no like casting that has made me like super excited of the things that are coming back. Not that the people that are in it aren't wonderful. Uh maybe Chicago casting is kind of cool. But uh no, I'm I'm interested I'm excited for new stuff. I'm always looking forward to the new stuff. Yeah. Let's move on to metal. Do you have any experience with heavy metal? Well, it's funny because, uh, so I grew up the youngest in a large Irish Catholic family and we I'm had so no sorry. money. Yes, I know. <laughs> Many years of therapy for that one. Um, we had, we had, you know, it's not like we were poor, but we had no money. 
Yeah. Um, and we lived in a two bedroom house with one bathroom for all seven of us. And uh, one of my brothers is a metalhead. Oh. So the answer is yes. That the odds were there. Yes. One of his had to be. Now, okay, <laughs> yeah. um, just before we move on to my review or to, to the album, there's a, a TV show called The Kids Are All Right. Uh-huh. It's about a large Irish Catholic family. That's um, Tim Doyle, the creator of it, was on our show a couple of weeks ago, at episode 38, I think it was. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. I think you'll relate to that. So I've heard of it. I've not seen it, though. Yeah, that's what it's about. Because um, it's from his perspective being sort of a middle child among seven brothers oh god and it's autobiographical Oof. so sort of all the things that like the, the mum's ironing aluminium foil or sorry aluminium foil just so you <laughs> understand what i'm saying i knew i knew what you're saying yep awesome americans correct me on it and like my eye twitches anyways um, <laughs> so the odds were there one of them had to be a um a metalhead so evan you chose the album this week based on uh, Bobby's wishes for something yeah. 80s. Yes, and and why did you choose this album? Oh, I think very similar reasons. Like I have an older brother who would just blare this down the hallway pretty much every morning. Yeah, um, 1983. So I was seven, and yeah, this is this is the morning routine. Is is come on, feel the noise. Yep, for most teenage boys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've just ruined my review. I've heard this album. <laughs> Many, many, many times. And yeah, I, I, just what's not to love. This this was just such a pivotal album. Um, obviously, it's a, a, a pinnacle album in, in terms of it's the first metal album to get a number one in Billboard charts. It, it got like mm -hmm. normal airplay on normal radio. Um, they're credited as one of the first hair bands. You know, they came out with with big hair and leather and, you know, all the, all the uh, what do you call it, the... Uh, the string vests and all the all the gear and and people are going what what the hell's going on you know it's just mental yeah and now we call it RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> yeah <laughs> now they make a show about it yeah um, sorry <laughs> that was good <laughs> thank you I can't help it it's rude to interrupt but I have to get it in when it's timely sorry Evan quite quite right a really really funny one like originally they had Randy Rhodes and if you know anything about metal. Um, he went off to play with Ozzy Osbourne and, and tragically, uh, he was a, just a brilliant guitarist, an absolute genius and, and tragically died in a plane crash, yeah. um, taken way too young, mm -hmm. but he didn't, yeah, he did play on some of these tracks as well. I think, yeah, Slick Black Cadillac, he did. Quite right or a weird band where this, even though this is the third album, the first two albums didn't really get noticed or even, you know, distributed. They came out of the blocks with this and... They even said it themselves. They started at the top and worked their way down. Like their very first, you know, the first song of the first album goes gangbusters. And it was all downhill from there. <laughs> they just kept trying to write the same album over and over and over. They keep changing band members constantly. Um, they even fired the singer at one point oh. after, this, after the second album after this. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just constantly fighting with each other. They were arguing about you know, money and contracts because they were getting ripped off. They're a really weird one, whereas they're still going today, sort of. All the original members have passed away. Oh. The last holdout was the bass player who was still with them in about 2016 because um, they break up and they come back periodically over the years and they die and they leave. And, <laughs> and they come back and... Yeah. yeah, and then they die again. 
But the last guy that, w- that was alive was the bass player, but he was 70-ish and oh, he has now passed away and they wanted the band to continue. So the current lineup does not include any original members. I just I'd hope not. And yet they're still doing shows. They're calling themselves Quiet Riot and they were doing shows up until like uh, 2019, just before pandemic. So Wow. I've never heard of a band completely replace all the members. And keep their name. It's really weird. I have I have Little River Band. You'll you'll find there's a Little River Band in America and in Australia they have to call themselves LRB. Or it's the other way around. Yeah, but that's two bands with the same name, isn't it? Well, that's more so someone who like played with them who then took the name. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, some bullshit. I don't know. There's all this yeah. technical stuff. No, these guys just kept kept replacing band members until there was no band members left. Yeah. It's really weird. Uh, K-pop and J-pop do that. Mm-hmm. I listen to the other albums. Um, I listen to this is what I usually do. I listen around if I haven't, if I'm not familiar with their, their other stuff. You're a music slut. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they do. They, they keep trying to write the same song over and over. They even in a, an interview, the singer was saying, Hey, you know, ACDC have been writing the same song for the last 40 years and it didn't hurt them. So yeah, their latest album, like, which is 2017, I think they're trying to sound just like mental health. Um, wow. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. It, it pays the bills. You know, they're happy to be working and, and playing shows and, and yeah, still doing what they love. But it's just really weird. There's just no one left. It's a different band now. Isn't this wow. what we complain about all the time about bands resting on their laurels? Speaking of which, I wrote a review. <laughs> oh, did you? Would you like to hear it? I don't know. Do, do, I, I have to, I suppose, don't I? Yeah, it's a cold read again, sorry. (laughs) When I first saw the cover, I wondered where he got that gorgeous red leather jacket. It looks like it would suit me well. So despite my riotful jealousy, I fired up Spotify. And at first, I didn't know if Quiet Riot's pilot track, Metal Health, in parentheses, Bang Your Head, was a song or an invitation to let my lockdown anxieties out. But when I first heard the cover, Come On, Feel the Noise, I was disappointed in the spelling, but I'd also prefer my back. (laughs) I was worried they'd blown their budget too early by splurging on this jacked up in-your-face rock anthem. (laughs) But turns out my fears were neutered as the spermanent jukebox fave left a mess all over the bar. Clean up on aisle two. Don't Wanna Let You Go was arresting in how much it sounded like a song by the police which is fitting since no copper ever wants to let someone go. Ultimately, it sounded like a slower, less funky sequel to Can't Stand Losing You, sadly. As Slick Black Cadillac pulled up, that sounded like it was selling me car wax. But since I don't own a car, I just got waxed instead. The things I do for this show. For love, because love's a bitch. Which coincidentally is also the name of the next track which sounds like a precursor to Guns N' Roses's Ballads's, but without <laughs> Axl Rose's thorny vocals. Also, it needed a good sax solo, because don't we all just have solo sax? Breathless came off as another movie montage, but if you're not gasping for air, then you can run for cover, then swap those two over so it makes bloody sense. Battle Axe was my favourite, short and sharp, enough to handle, it wouldn't take a huge chunk out of my instrumental playlist. And speaking of mental, I'm Aaron. Shit, I fucked that up again. So Let's Go Crazy was fitting, but an oxymoron. As much as the album title, for neither really drove me crazy. 
Sadly, this is a pedestrian effort traipsing the middle of the road. Two and a half stars. So, yeah, no, look, it was... I liked Black Cadillac. That was cool. I do too. Yeah, that, that was one of the big ones as well. Those harmonies are great. Yeah, after uh, Come On, Feel the Noise. Yeah. Yeah, no, Come On, come on Feel yeah. the Noise is catchy. But again, it's, it, it's a moment in time, you know. We're back in 1983 and there wasn't a lot around that sounded like this. You know, these guys have been plugging away for like 10 years at it before they got noticed. And there was this and um, actually, no, there was, this was it. Everything else was after this. You know, Twisted Sister, all your uh, Warrant and Wasp and Poison. Poison, and they were all after this, yeah. you know, and they would all reference this. But punk uh, was before it and punk was political and punk was biting and it was cheeky and it was in your face. This is sleazy. And if there wasn't much precedence before it, they had an open slather, is that the term, um, to work with here to to play with and there was just a little bit too much repetition for for my taste it was an achievement just to get a record company to take them on and uh was it though and promote them yes it it was was it though because we'd had bands like sex pistols by then and dead kennedys not america you didn't dead kennedys not not mainstream promotion no they made an impact they did these guys are you know they're on the you know, the video shows and they're getting airplay and, you know. But also remember MTV was really big then and Quiet Riot was huge on the music video scene. That's yeah. what it feels and like. And, it, and again, it wasn't really until Twisted Sister came along where they went nuts as well with right. their music videos and that right. MTV really embraced them. Yeah, they, they these two really do uh, go together. Yeah. Yeah, they're very similar time frames. They're the same story even. But again, Quiet Riot's another another classic tale of excess and, you know, overspending your budgets. And, you know, by the time they were touring the second album, they decided, you know, we want to spend everything. We, we're millionaires now. Let's have mm. the biggest shows and the, the biggest lights and the yeah. lasers that we can't even use because the council won't let us. And, and they blew all their money on their second tour and ended up, you know, recording a third album on, on no budget. And, uh, you know, the airplay was waning and the members just fighting with each other and you know next thing you know everyone's broke yeah <laughs> and they're like what happened two years later you know the classic rock and roll story i i didn't hate it i just think it did it sounded like it was commercial friendly i, I you know what it is it, it is a, a matter of i have judged a book by its cover and it has backfired on me because whatever I just said, backfired on me because I've expected something crazy and I got something sleazy and pretty generic, which was a little bit disappointing. A lot of the 80s metal was a bit in the sleaze world. Oh, yeah. No, I don't don't hate that. Like I remember seeing the spelling and, and I think that was when I found out what that word was. I'm looking at it going, how did they get away with that in 1983? Seriously, yeah. You know, yeah. They would have pulled that off the shelves for that. I did learn this song. I learned uh, Metal Health yeah. on uh, guitar as a kid. I do remember nice. that because it wasn't very hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's it, exactly right. You, you, it's keep... it doesn't have to be hard to be catchy. True, absolutely. No, and, and absolutely. I know it's, it's a three-chord thing, but... Look, I compared one song to The Police, and when you look at what they did with music when they influenced 
reggae in there where they took it away from the three chord structure and infused that sound into their music. They created some masterpieces in, in those songs and albums. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. But it just, I disappointed on that level. I think I was expecting more. Like it was fun and camp. Sure. There are definitely some earworms. Well, I, I quite enjoyed re-listening to this again, chucking it on at work, cranking it up, and yeah, straight away, it's, yeah. Bang your head! <laughs> yeah, there were like three really great tunes, and then the rest, I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember these. Yeah. Because I'm certain I had this album. Yeah. Mm. Or, or cassette. There was probably a cassette. Yeah, it would have been. Um, <laughs> definitely good old. Oh, you know what? Just off topic, I need I need your help, Evan, taking apart a cassette because it's got like a, a crumb or a rock or something in it. It's from my kindergarten. Right. I've, Just I know, right? Get some little, you get the little uh, like glasses screwdrivers and off you go. Do I look like I've fixed my glasses <laughs> ever since I have bought them? They're literally this way on my face. When Tim Doyle came on the show and his glasses were like that, I was vindicated, I tell you that. This is like Hollywood producer, man. Anyways, um, I, it's funny because I've, I've said this a few times about certain bands that with so much metal or heavy metal on rotation growing up as a child with my brother and sister, certain bands just I'd never heard of. This is one of them I had never heard of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, okay. It's happened quite a few times. Um, and like bands like Skid Row and Motley Crue and all that, I, I do know. Body Count, I knew once they hit the scene. But no, I'd never heard this pioneering band. Yeah, they <laughs> certainly pioneering. They, they were first, you know. Like I said, we used to, this album would come on every morning because there wasn't a lot else. I mean, there was, yeah, there was Iron Maiden. There was, uh, well, there you I, go. I don't think there was even Anthrax yet. Um, there was Black Sabbath. Yeah. yeah, Black Sabbath. Yeah, but that's yeah. It was literally yeah. a handful of bands. There was literally. But a they handful. weren't the first. They're not pioneering. They're but crazy. Don't you think they veered a hair into like rock versus metal, like just a hair, not as yeah. as much as like an Iron Maiden. Mm. I think I kind of think that's what you're talking mm. about of the the sort of like fabrication of it or the the sort of commercialism of it. Yeah, Is that it's not mm. it's not true metal. Yeah, it felt it's metalish, pedestrian. <laughs> yeah. Well, metal-ish. it's glam, you know. It's definitely glam. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I don't but, know if uh, it was yeah. glam enough. I don't know if the lyrics were were camp enough. Right. No. Yeah, it's just iconic because it it broke through. You know, it broke through into the mainstream yeah. and got got it noticed, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, people are headbanging in the streets. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I I just I don't know. I guess that's why it didn't make much of it. Like we didn't get it in this house because yeah. my brother and to... sister felt the same way in terms of they were just not that exciting. <laughs> I guess you just had to be there. Yeah. Did yeah. they later, oh, they say their later albums get re- repetition. Oh, damn it. Because yeah. I had written a poem. Originally that whole review was going to be in rhyme and every word was going to rhyme with quiet ride or every, you know, every <laughs> sentence was going <laughs> to, and I started to do it and I gave up after a while. And I thought, no, we'll, we'll obviously we'll come back to them, but no, obviously we won't. Um, okay. But yeah, they have been trying to recreate this album over and over and over and over. How many albums have they done? Jesus. Well, that's very metallic Well, yeah, a lot of bands do try and do it though. They go, hey, that 
that album we did, you know, two albums ago sold really well. Let's try and recreate right. that, I suppose. Right. You know, or or they just enjoy playing those chord progressions and those yeah. big stadium anthems. And hey, I, I'm still playing in stadiums. Let's give us another one. You know, but it doesn't always work. But quite right, are quite happy to do it. They're quite happy to just keep churning out the same kind of songs and go and tour and pay the bills and and they're happy. They're happy. They're still working. Sorry, yeah, I think it's about fourteen albums all the same. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, they released one in 2019. You know, again, it's all different members, but <laughs> really odd. What sort of influence have they had over other sounds, other bands' sounds? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, they got got into mainstream. You, there'd be a huge amount of people who would who would put down Quiet Riot as their influences. So you don't know specifically? No, nothing specific. No. So how how did you go with this album, Bobby? Obviously, reliving it. Yeah, I relived it. I could hear some, because I, I have a show that is a rock show, mm-hmm. and I could hear some, probably because it was one of the first songs I learned to guitar, <laughs> but I could hear some of their influence. Definitely, their like epic harmonies mm-hmm. were kind of, that's why I really liked the Cadillac song, which when it started, I was like, yeah, oh, and then the tune kept going. I was like, oh, right, I know this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know this song. I don't know. There's just something about the the aggressive, like let it all go aspect of it that I really like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's like the greatest thing in the world, but you're allowed to. I'm not going to make fun of you. No, no, no. I I would never say that this is like one of my top albums at all. But I do I do remember it being for the time. I remember it being um you know that Irish Catholic household again being like you shouldn't be listening to that. Yeah, <laughs> but my brother would be blaring it, so and we'd be jumping on our beds and you know taking our hockey sticks and making them guitars. And, <laughs> but you know we were real like big Who fans and oh, cool. yeah, like your uh, uh, your Tommy one that you yeah, podcast that you did that was really good. I enjoyed yeah, that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was great. How the hell did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> it was cool hearing a lot of the stories I didn't know about yeah. with, with that piece. Oh. They got a help. But yeah, and then like I'm a huge Queen. Mm-hmm. Queen is one of my biggest inspirations. And I, I, I can finish that sentence. Yeah, I could. <laughs> I could hear just some elements of. Oh yes. Like especially there, like like Quiet Riot really brings those those power chords in, right? Those like mm. those dirty, and I think that's why they're not that hard yeah. to play. Is that you're just continuing the same figure of your your hand, but there is something about them that just that. Maybe it's, I mean, I can't remember how old I was when this came up, but the, the, I just remember it being kind of kick-ass. <laughs> yeah, I think Thunderbird. Thunderbird is very quaint. Yes. Yes, I heard that as well. Yes, that, because I kept listening to that being like, who, who does it sound like? It is, it's Queen. Yeah, very, very Queen. Did I leave out a song, did I? Yeah, it's the last song. Oh. Yeah, it's the big sort of epic ballad, I suppose. And yeah. Oh, the joke was, and Thunderbirds are go, and I am definitely gone. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, Breathless, Breathless and Thunderbird. But Thunderbird, yeah, it's the backing vocals. It's it's getting all the boys to sort of hit that, whatever that chorusy note is. But mm-hmm. it's very Queen, very queen Very Queen. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they were huge Queen fans. Everyone was. Um, well, well, Queen, are, when you were comparing them, I'm glad you clarified that it was the chords and not the lyrics. Oh, God, no. Talking about, yeah. No. Because it took one person to write Bohemian Rhapsody. It took 20 to write Who Run the World Girls. <laughs> 
So that's the sheer brilliance of Queen. And that's obviously a meme that I am ripping off there. So don't write in. I know. I recently bought a Queen uh, sheet music book. Oh, yeah. And just sat at my piano and was playing and singing it. And I would say like every fifth or sixth, li sixth lyric, I'd be like, that's what he said? Yeah. What? <laughs> I had so many lyrics that you just make up as as a kid. They were pretty simple. Yeah. You know, I think they tried to make them pretty earwormy. Yeah. I think that that's sometimes a good thing. Most often it's a bad thing. What was that one lyric? He takes like a a, a phrase that we would say to people um oh my gosh, it's gonna drive me crazy. But it's as I, I remember I was going for a walk listening to it and I was like, well, that's that's one way to get lyrics. That's fine. While you're doing that, my favorite lyric was diamond eyes rhymed with hypnotize. Sometime would be proud. <laughs> I'm I'm actually kind of annoyed that my because the, the next album that they came out with, we, we listened to a lot, Condition Critical, it's only a, a year later, has some other classic songs on it. But the two songs that I love the most from both albums are both covers from Slade. Ah. Kind of annoying. <laughs> Bugger. Uh, Mama, We're All Crazy Now and Come On, Feel The Noise are both covers. And it's like, oh, they're my favorite songs. And they're not theirs. Oh, well. Here it is. I'm a finder and I'm a keeper. I'm not a loser, and I ain't no weeper. Ah, finders, keepers, losers, <laughs> losers weepers. weepers. Yeah. Ah, well, I guess, yeah, I, I do like wordplay, don't I? So I, it would be wrong and a deliberate, like, nasty thing to say, that's really shit, because, yeah, that is kind of <laughs> clever. All right, I'll admit that. No, it was just as I was walking down the street, I was like, oh, yeah. okay. All right. There you go. Sweet. Thunderbird is um, actually dedicated to Randy Rhodes. Oh. Because he died the year before this came out. Uh, so it's a posthumous album. Yeah, it was a tribute. Thunderbird was a tribute to Randy Rhodes. Uh-huh. I know he was very young. How, how young was he? He was only 25. Yeah. He was a, becoming a guitar legend. And yeah, just taken at 25. That just sucks. Yeah. Hell yeah. 25, not even the 27 club. Right. No. 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 And... Yeah, he was playing with Ozzy Osbourne and, and you know going places, and yeah, it's a damn shame. Damn. Um, well, on that note, I'm going to ask a fun question. Thanks, Evan. <laughs> Obviously, we well, we all agreed that Black Cadillac, uh, whatever it's properly called, is the best song on the album. So, what would overall in music, what would be your favorite car song? I'll throw this out to everybody. Song about cars or driving songs? Because that's a whole. No, not driving songs. Because then it could be bloody anything, couldn't it? I actually have always loved the song Drive by the Cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've just, there's something really like oddly sad about it. And it's, it's a song that Rick Ocasek isn't singing. It, it's a different band member that sings it. Okay. I have no idea who they are or who he is, but um, oh. okay. Yeah. What, what do they sing? Uh, shake it up. Ooh, ooh, shake it up. Uh, oh. Let the good times roll. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, oh, yeah. no. They were a big Boston band. I know they were big in America, but because I'm from Boston and they were from Boston, we, yeah. my family, we were all just huge fans of theirs. But Drive, I think, is a late 80s song, maybe? No, I don't know it. How do you not know the cars? Yeah, it's just a beautiful, haunting... Oh, he, the lead singer was married to Paulina Poroskova, the supermodel. Oh, so, yeah, she was on Drag Race. I have a brain full of, like, random... I'd be good on Jeopardy. Like, 
useless yeah. facts that you'll never ever need <laughs> completely useless facts why do you think i have a podcast bobby <laughs> that's what i should start doing as a podcast of no you're you, you you're way better than i would be who can bring up the most useless facts that are just there in your head well, i just gave you like five so that's it um well okay uh, evan what's your favorite car song or oh, song about a car it's pretty tough this is the kind of thing you want to go away and think about for a while but i, I was going to throw on beatles drive my car mm. all right well it's almost my choice we would have gotten mm. a um a snap um i picked madness driving in my car mm. yep i like driving in my car and so yeah that's a classic that's, yeah it is a classic and an underrated song that no one uses enough in media anyways <laughs> we're gonna drive off into an ad break we'll be back in a moment with bobby cronin summer winter spring or fall the first ever musical theater sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest west end show the fossey forest ballet where's the important stuff aha a thousand pound a week ensemble rate ah that's what mamma mia likes starring philip joel and a west end cast featuring carrie alice darren denny louise demon and oliver savile and more it all started in 1987 when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner. Yeah, it's just I, I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat. <gasps> Darling! How long have I been mentoring you? Three months? Two years. So her name is Henrietta. The horse. Yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative, and the latest show to be going into the West End. Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of Pant. Frozen. You can watch this episode for the price of a coffee. Simply go to www.thefossyforestbelly.com. Any and all profits go back to theatre charities, acting for others, and the theatre's trust. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights. Tight nights. Nice. Tights. Alrighty, uh, we're back on Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Evan, and we're joined by composer Bobby Cronin, whose name I actually got right this time. Don't ask. Anyways, we're <laughs> going to jump into the musical this week because we have chosen... Your own musical, yes, which is based on an Australian film, yes. Okay, yeah. So we're doing Mary and Max, which is the Australian claymation film, uh, which is absolutely adorable. Do not show your children, obviously, unless you <laughs> care about them, because cinema is art, and they deserve to. What we'll do is we'll go through Evan's thoughts first, because I've got quite a few questions, um, sort sure. of on, on the development of the musical, yeah, which um was an opportunity I, I didn't take with Andrew Lipper, unfortunately. So Evan, what did yes. you think of Mary and Max? Please ah. tell the composer to his face. <laughs> As you know, you're familiar with this, with this show. I, I get to do things backwards. So I listened to the music with no context whatsoever. Yeah. I have no idea what it was about. I just chucked on the musical or the music that, yeah. So yeah, the first listen, um, I'm sitting there going, oh, this, this is really, really good. 
I immediately chucked it on again. And about halfway through, I, I want merchandise. I want a Mary Max shirt. I want a mug. I want a hat. <laughs> I want a poster on the wall. I fell in love with this about, yeah, the second listen in. And the more you listen to it, the more songs you find uh, to fall in love with. You know, the first couple that stood out the first time around, and then there's a couple more, and then there's a couple more. And next thing you know, you love every freaking song. It's just so special. It's freaking spectacular. I, I love wow. it. Uh, it doesn't sound like, what really gets me is it doesn't sound like anything else. Thank you. You know, when you, you, you chuck on an album and, and there will be just like two chords that'll sound like something else, or there'll be just like a- Quiet Riot? <laughs> no, just anything, <laughs> random stuff on the radio. Anything you listen to, I think I have a theory that we're running out of songs as a mm. race and we're running out of chord progressions as a race, but that's beside the point. Occasionally you'll, you know, you hear an album and there'll be just a note that reminds you of something else or, or two notes together that just remind you of something else. There is absolutely none of this in this soundtrack, which it is really impressive. There's always at least something that sounds like something else. And this is just so unique. You've somehow managed to capture of course, I listened to this like three times and then went, you know, what is this about? And I did sit down and watch the film. And anyone who spoils the film is an asshole. Mm. So <laughs> don't. Just don't. I don't care what's in your review. You spoil this, I'm out. I'm walking. Anyway. Yeah, no. Um, every song is just, it's so beautifully written. It's beautifully played, beautifully sung. I, I really can't speak any highly higher of it. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I, I I want to see this. Where is it? Where can I see this? I, I, I want to know how it ended up in Austria, how it ended yeah. up in German. How did that happen before the English version? Is is that right? No, the English version was first. Was, yeah, Calgary. Right. In Canada. Okay. Yeah. But it was a very different production in Canada. Right. I submitted the piece. I'd heard about this award that was in Germany. And I just thought Mary and Max was such a universal story that it has nothing really to do with being American. Or Australian, thank you. Racist. Or being Australian, exactly. No, over here, it's like American central, centric. We know, we know. Yes, we, I know, yes. We, yeah. we know a lot of Americans. <laughs> They're everywhere. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. I love America. Yeah. Thank you very much. Anyways, continue. Um, yeah, so right. I submitted it, and I remember saying to Crystal, I think we're going to win this. Uh, yeah, Crystal Skillman? Yep, you're yes. right and I'd never, I'd never said something like that when we've applied for something, but I said, I just have a feeling we're going to win this. I think this, what we've written is so European. Oh yeah. Yes. It's melancholy. And we won. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask Aaron, like how many awards are there in general? Like there's the Tonys. I know the Tonys. What else is there? Okay. Oh, in terms of theatrical awards. Yeah. Okay. Well in, in Australia, we've got the Helpmans, but there's also like the Olivier awards. Yeah. I was going to suggest we'd like, you're going to have to make up some new awards to give to Mary and Max because it's going to win all of them. Thank oh, you. I'm going to give you the kiss ass of the year award, Evan. Oh yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, I've fallen in love with this. And, and I'm sitting here reading the song list still and going, getting bigger is, is wonderful. I found my words around you is an absolute classic. Just every song, even accidents, oh, bubbles and butts. It just fly right out of here. See what I mean? Every song is just fucking amazing. And yeah, Cute. I can't wait to someday see this thing. Well, we've seen the clips and, yes. and, and stills. And, yeah. and again, on the visual, I hope you're going to sort of do something similar. Aren't those visuals incredible? The, the, how you've stylized it into the claymation. Those Priscilla wigs. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The creative use of cardboard boxes. 
oh, it looks spectacular. It sounds spectacular. The story is spectacular. It's it's winning on every level. I don't see how it can't just win everything. Yeah. And it's really unfair to any other musicals that open in the same year because they've, they've got Buckley's. It's, if this wasn't already a show, I'd be sitting there going, I think you've got a show here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so we ended up winning this award and, and one of the judges was the artistic director of this amazing theater in Austria. It's like their version of the public theater. Yeah. He sent me an email and was like, we would like to program this into our season would you be okay with that? And I was like, yes. And he said, great. So we need to get you to start working with a translator. Mm -hmm. So I had to sing nice. the entire score into like everything. Cause what you heard, uh, the show has a lot of music. It's yeah. not very scene heavy. It's very music heavy. Yeah. And so I had to sing everything that was sung into uh, voice memos and send it to her. Uh, the translator and then she would call me sometimes or we'd facetime and i remember one for instance there was a lyric about being light in the loafers and she said we have nothing over here that fits that at all not even <laughs> a single word in german no <laughs> really they did wow. i have to say because i've heard some other translations they yeah. did an incredible translation i had friends that live in germany that came over to see it in austria mm -hmm and they could not believe that it wasn't actually written in yeah. German. So, yeah, from what I've heard, I'm sitting there going, you must be fluent. Like there's had not only to, to understand and speak German fluently, but to be able to sing in German, to be, to be able to sing it. Yeah, I, I had so many questions like going, you know, you must have been, you know, raised in, in Austria or something to be able to convert this completely into into german and to be able to sing in german is, is a completely different thing than speaking in german so yeah i was just just confused as hell like what's going on how did this happen you know in austria and not you know it's just a, a random twist of fate but it ended up being exactly what was needed for the production because what we learned in canada so canada had a very different like way into the storytelling yeah that that just didn't work um, it put too much weight on Mary and Max doing all the storytelling. Yep. When, if you think about the source material, they don't really talk very much. It's no. the, this narrator. No, no, Mary doesn't talk until she's an adult. Yeah. And it did well. It won awards. It did really well. And it was a beautiful production. And Stafford Arima did a beautiful job with it. It just wasn't what I dreamt in my mind and, and, and I knew that it was uh, landing on the fault of the writing. And Crystal and I, we just had a really nice sit, and Crystal and I have been friends for years and we just had a sit down of brainstorming and I had this random idea because I had read an article about a little kid that had been bullied and killed herself in modern time. Like that, I just read that article when yeah. I was sitting with Crystal to talk about it. And I, I said, you know, the, the film uses a narrator that tells us everything because it's super visual. We can't use a narrator in theater because it doesn't work because who are they talking to? Shout out to Into the Woods. Well, Into the Woods works because it's a fairy tale. Yeah, that's true. And he, the first thing is, once upon a time, and we open yeah. the book, right? Yeah. With this, I kept saying to Crystal, the reason that the film affected me so much and I had to make it a musical is when it got to that ending, I had never cried that much, I don't think in my lifetime, <laughs> had I ever felt what I felt at the end of that film. And I said, I want to work backwards. Let's figure out how do we, how do we make that land? How do we get that ending to work? And I just 
out of my mouth came, what if it's some man telling the story to his daughter who had a bad day that day? And then we just sort of sort of ran with it and tried different ideas. And Austria is the first theater to produce this version of it. Yeah. And it's the thing that people that knew the film at first were like, what is this? Because the first three pages has nothing to do with the movie. We basically, uh, Crystal likes to say, we princess brided it <laughs> in that we, we just needed a reason for someone to be telling the story mm-hmm. so that we can then go into the magical mind of this girl. And what's super cool, which I know you saw in some of the um, video stuff, is that it's it we sort of mess with the audience's head of like, who is the girl and yeah. the big reveal that comes and sitting in the audience and hearing an audience actually audibly go at the end of an act was like really (laughs) exciting because we didn't get that in Canada because the end of the act came and there was no like, Oh, it was just, Oh, Mary and Max are going to go now meet each other intermission. Yeah. And I just was like, I don't know if I would come back. I don't, I mean, it just, there wasn't enough drama conflict. There was no alphabet flying. There isn't an alphabet flying, exactly. And we really, I kept saying we need to play with with the worlds of when we're in the story, it looks a certain way. But when we're in modern time, it's cold. It's very, very, very cold feeling. You know, I don't want to give it away, but we added some twists of like who the person telling the story actually is. Mm -hmm. And before, I mean, we were already in rehearsal in Austria and I realized I should probably call Adam, the writer of the film, (laughs) to be like, so, and I told him and there was a pause and he yeah. went, fuck, why didn't I think of that? And I will never, that was like all I needed. And yeah. he loves, he loves yeah. this idea. Cause when I tried to get the rights, I was immediately told no. Oh, okay. Because they get rights requests. Apparently they, they were getting rights requests at least once a week. I was the first person though to request musical rights. Uh-huh. And the producer passed, but Adam was really intrigued. Mm-hmm. And then I met with Adam a few times on uh, Skype mm-hmm. and cried a lot with him about the story. And just, it, I just, it was very, my father had obsessive compulsive disorder. Like, there's just so much about it that I just really connect with. Yeah. The birthmark, I think, is like, you could make that someone that's fat, someone that's gay, someone that's black, someone like, it just has so yeah. much that it can symbolize. And I just kept saying to him, I, I know this loneliness. I know this darkness. I know how to put this into music. Mm-hmm. And finally he said, I think you're the guy to do this. And we formed this beautiful uh, friendship. And I said, if, if I ever have questions, can I can I ask you, like, do you want to hear anything? He's like, I don't need to hear anything, but sure, if you have questions. And the whole time writing the piece, I only had one question, which was, why doesn't she ever call him? I'll call him. Okay. I'll yeah. tell you, a column, as in, why doesn't she have a column? Why doesn't she call him? He said, oh, we just didn't want to go down that road. So what we did is when she finds his address in the phone book, she says out loud, no phone number. So there's no way she could ever call him. Why is he in the phone book then? Because everyone, even if you're, if you don't have a phone number in America, you're in the phone book. Oh really? Oh, I would hate that. Yeah, you can have what's called an unlisted number. Okay, yeah, I would like yeah. that, and the address unlisted as well. But if it wasn't for that, she would never have found him. Oh, that's true. 
there would be no story. My my only other thought um, yeah. addressing with the, the narrator was that you could possibly make the postman the narrator. I, I thought that would have made sense as well. Well, he does. Yeah, he does a bit. He could be delivering, he could be delivering and going, you yeah. know, doing those lines as well. Yes, but he does in, he is always the person that delivers. It's It's a cool, like, theatrical concept i guess or conceit that he jumps in and, and plays a lot of the the people that sort of bridge the world of mary and max mm, yeah. he's the mailman he's he's something else at some point a couple other things but we actually had talked about what if it's the postman that was one of our thoughts that would make a lot of sense but though. we couldn't get it to make sense for the ending which is why i said we should we should work backwards how do we earn because i wanted the audience to feel what i felt when i saw the movie I wanted them to be bummed out, be a puddle of tears, literally yeah. a puddle of tears. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think once Kesara hits yeah. from there <sighs> to the ending, because that and sets the, you up already. Yep. And, yep. and then you're, you're already on edge until the ending and then they just knock you over. Yeah. We did do a really cool thing in Calgary for that moment, the um, You Never Told Me song that we borrowed very much from the film, which is the idea that Mary is singing it to all the people that have left her in this yeah. sort of like cool, weird uh, visual. And then it, we did not do this in Austria, but in Canada, um, we did a projection of the baby in her belly. Right. Like they do in the yeah. film. And it was very, very, very powerful. It's because there wasn't the narrator to sort of have, it was just by that point, I think a lot of people were like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Now she's pregnant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can you describe to our audiences the differences you found with the restraints of someone else's sandbox as opposed to concocting your own sort of original story? What were some of the, the challenges as well? It's funny because my agent had been saying to me for a while, you got to get a movie. Everyone's doing movies. That's all producers want are movies. And when I came across this movie, it was not even to, for any purpose other than someone said, Bobby, you would love this movie. It's you. Yeah. And it even sounds like you, like your work. So when I finished watching it, the, the thing that I liked about it is that it was sort of culty in that it wasn't a mainstream thing. So I knew that I could take the sandbox and sort of change the shape of it. And it's because it's so, it's, there's not a lot of dialogue. So much of it is visual that, that I knew that if I could get the right book writer and I thought of Crystal immediately, she's the first person I thought of. She's very experimental in her writing and she's very downtown. And I just, I felt that with the beautiful characters that Adam had created and the, the, just the overall story of this man with mental illness, this young girl who is bullied, who has crappy parents. And I had amazing parents, but I still understood her so much <laughs> that I just, I, I was excited to take that part of the sandbox and put it in a new one. So in fact, in, and I kept thinking, you know, um, the song Accidents actually came from a stage direction in the film, in the, in the uh, screenplay. It's like a very fast stage direction of the cars crash, the bird flies out. And it's in the film, it's like this fast. I thought that's a song right there. The bird, her finding it is an accident. She's called an accident. It's a car accident. And just like it started coming together of like, oh, that's where this, this source material is going to be. I've done adaptation before. I did A Christmas Carol. That's also great source material. Um, I made it more modern. But this was just... 
I think the reason I wanted it so much is that it, it and this is, I'm not dogging other shows by saying this, but it wasn't Pretty Woman. It wasn't this perfect movie that they're going to just keep it and insert things. I wanted yeah. to mess around with the piece. And it's, it's the thing that I kept pitching to Adam is that I am not going to take the movie and just throw songs in it because that won't work on stage. No because we're putting it into a whole new format of storytelling. Yeah, I mean, it's poetic, the film is. Yes, yeah. which I got some great lyrics out of. A lot of lyrics are, are directly from things that Max or Mary had said. Yeah, that nothing is an accident song. That's really poignant line of, if, if nothing is an accident, then you know how can I be one? And I'm just going, Thank oh, you. Yes. <laughs> stop tugging at them. Stop tugging at the fucking heartstrings, Jesus. That's the second song I wrote for the show. And I think I've changed like five or six lyrics. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, there it's is it. only one. I've only got one gripe. Yeah, I did. I did have one. Gripe. There's a line. I can't even remember which song it is. Yeah. Where she says my favorite candy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. no. Oh, no, 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 no. Lollies. No, we don't say candy. No, big no, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Someone says candy. It's like, it's not America. That's what yeah. someone will say. <laughs> hey, lollies, right? Yeah. Lollies. 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 It's in yeah. a lollipop, but. Lolly. Yeah. She says lollies. my favorite candy. I'm like, ah, that's that's very that's very American. Yeah, we would say lollies. Certainly in the 70s, certainly in the 70s Australia. Well spotted. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. But that was it. That was like the only thing I could I could pick on was that one one word. I have a couple of Australian friends, so I would ask often. Yeah, I was wondering who you, who your Australian consulting <laughs> was. They let you down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shout out to whoever they are. Anyways. Well, that's actually a newer, it's a newer lyric. So good catch. Thank you. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, well, because the, the movie itself, it just packs constant Australian references. Yes. It's, it's yes. visually, yeah. you know, I, I was constantly nudging my wife going, oh, look, the uh, the postage stamp is, is Dame Edna. And you know, <laughs> which is Barry Humphreys, the, the narrator. Yeah, the narrator. Um, yeah. Uh, there's so much. It's just chock full of Australianness in the background. And, you know, even though the car looks like a claymation car, it's clearly a Datsun, you know, there's, it's, oh, the, you know, the tennis ball and the, the gutters, just it's constantly doing this Australianness, and there's so much in there. And it's, I'm sure it was really hard to pick and choose, you know, what to, what to keep in and yes. what, what you could actually portray on stage it was. and yeah. know, not make it confusing or just a big mess. Or anything yeah. filled with Easter eggs. But speaking of the differences yes. between Australia and America, you guys call it a sandbox. Over here, we're negative. We call them sand pits. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah so man. it shouldn't surprise anyone considering how melancholy Mary and Max <laughs> is. Uh, now, obviously, um, talking about claymation films and you mentioned that they, there's a sort of cult feeling behind mary and max that's kind of the case maybe not nightmare before christmas because mm. that's obviously massively popular uh, and obviously short films but they're brilliant cinema i will fight anybody about this nobody puts that much effort into making a shitty product <laughs> so when you see a new claymation film people Go out, spend your money on it. I'm sick of Studio Laker not making any money. Anyways, ranting aside, uh, they're not big box office drawers. Does that become a hard selling point in terms of, um, because this isn't for children. Right. So you're not like, here's Wallace mm. and Gromit on stage. You're like, here is this right. depressing story where people like die and have sex and stuff. But it's going to be colourful and cartoonish and stuff mm -hmm. so two things about that one one of the ways that i was able to convince adam 
was that I told him musicals take 10 years. Like that's a, an average for a musical to get where it's going. Yeah. And he said, oh, I did not know that because it takes me at least five years to do mm. my films. Mm -hmm. And I said, just as detailed as you are is how detailed it is in a musical. And so I think that started getting him to be like, oh, this is, this is cool. The second part of that, that, one of the reasons that I pitched the idea of him, of the father telling the story to a teenage, a young teenage girl, is that it could broaden, widen the audience yeah. to make that modern story very much. Um, very conduit. Yeah. 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 And so I think we have increased when, when Crystal and I talked about it, we kept saying PG 13, we wanted to be PG 13. Yeah. And now look, we had kids come in Canada, even though it said on the thing, like, this is not for children and they loved it. I don't know if they just didn't get all the death stuff in Austria. One of the cast members daughters came to every pre preview. She made little book of faces for everybody oh. for opening night like she was obsessed with the piece and i think that is it is something i had in the back of my mind of how yeah. can i make this so that because i think i think one of the things for me is i went to awake when i was like eight years old and mm -hmm. i think it fucked me up <laughs> an american one i really do i think seeing a dead body yeah, you guys do open coffins. Oh my I, god! I don't. I don't get that. Oh, it's so dumb. It's in my will that that is not happening. It, uh, and it's only you guys. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. The rest of the world don't do it. Oh, it's so awful. Well, the rest of the world do not do it. I mean, Eva Peron was in a glass coffin that well, they all yes, went and yes. kissed. But yeah. True. No, True. I I ended up looking this up a while ago because I saw saw a funeral somewhere where there was an open coffin. I'm like, how common is that? It's, like, it's really common. Well, in in the US, but nowhere else in the world does it. Not so really yeah, not. it messes kids up. Oh yeah. It totally, and I think that's something I really wanted to pull in is the idea of all this death. Oddly, in Austria, they ask for a tagline. They do it for all of their shows. It's usually like three or four words. And Crystal and I, we, we were like, I, we have no idea what you're talking about. So they sent us a few as ideas and we settled on how we cope that it is really a piece about how people cope. And yeah. I think that is actually ageless. Yeah, and funnily enough, that's what my novels are ultimately about. Yeah, so uh, anyways, sorry to interrupt, but that's, yeah. I liked your commercial. About. I heard a com one of your commercials on- uh, Oh, really? <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, look, I got five episodes into that, or five chapters into that. And this podcast took over. So I haven't put the rest of the books out there, but why am I going through all that effort? People just buy the fucking books. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, touched a nerve. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Then the last, the last little piece on, you know, it's not a big name piece. It is something that if you're in a room with people, let's say 10 people, three people will go, oh my God, that film destroyed me. Yeah. Or, oh my God, that film is masterful, which makes other people go, oh, what is it? Tell, tell me about yeah. it. So I think that's actually more interesting than, and again, I'm not dogging these other shows because they're, I think they're quite good, but something like Pretty Woman, which happens to be one of my favorite movies of all time, what sells it is that it's Pretty Woman, right? So I'm actually excited that it's not really the, the notoriety of the movie that will yeah. hopefully make the piece do what it could hopefully. Yeah. And 
And on the flip side there, you're talking about the appeal, the appeal of say just the film to people. I, I sat down, like I'd heard this a couple of times and I, I read you know roughly what it was about without spoiling it. And I went, I have to see this. So we sat down and watched it. Me and my wife sat down and watched it. I made a, come on, sit down. We're going to watch this film because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be awesome. So yeah, by the end, you know, I'm, I'm literally dripping tears <laughs> on her and she's like, are you crying? <laughs> like, yeah, aren't you watching the same film as I'm watching? She's like, honestly, I should have been folding washing. She like just nothing. Wow, interesting. She just went, nah, that was a massive waste of my time. Oh, yeah. I'm like, wow. So you just didn't, you know, I'm sitting here falling in love with this this masterful piece of cinema, and she's going, I, I, yeah, I could have been doing the housework. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. So there are some people out there who just, it just doesn't grip. Yeah. See, I immediately want to know more. I went and looked at uh, the, yeah. the Adam Elliott's, what do you want to, Oscar? Harvey or? Crumpet. Yeah. yeah Harvey the Crumpet. short film, Harvey yeah. Crumpet. Yeah. Um, I went, yeah, watch that. And that, that was amazing. Um, you know, I wanted, yeah, I want more, you know, I wanted to know more and I wanted to watch more. And Well, we need more claymation movies. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. The only bit of trivia I saw was that he assembled a crew of like six teams all putting out like five seconds of footage a day each. And if he was to animate it himself, it would have taken about 225 years. Wow. That's a cool statistic. Wow. Yeah. It took five years of six teams of animators yeah. to, wow. to get that footage done. Yeah. doesn't surprise me at all. Now I just have two more questions about Mary and Max. Uh, do you have anything to say to the Australian public about culturally reappropriating an Aussie classic? <laughs> um, Evan got that this is a joke question. You don't have to answer. I'm not. Yeah, ex- explain that. <laughs> Cultural appropriation. I, yeah, that's. I was like, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. But how would a Mary and Mad Max musical sound? <laughs> <laughs> it would have a lot more electric guitars in it yeah cool i would keep those costumes but i would make them all like really dirty and uh add things like belts or you know yes straps yep. and <laughs> yep rips and tears and bones that's really funny <laughs> yeah what's your musical uh mary and mad max <laughs> yeah well they both feature an old curmudgeon and an annoying little child True. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I was going to say, Mad Max did this, where he was saving the little girl. Yeah. Was or, that two you know, or three? Had his little offsider. Yeah. Because uh, three had Tina Turner in that yeah. amazing dress. Yeah. And another fun fact: we've killed off Mary and Max. Uh, we'll throw it an ad break, <laughs> and we're back in a moment with Bobby Cronin. <laughs> G'day, listeners. Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. Crack, thud, the human trips over the uneven ground as the Twanimal blows out the lantern. Watch your step, Kapoor says a little too late. 
Why did you put the light out? Bolly Kosh, an open flame near hay bales? And here I thought you were smart, sir. Toniston agrees with how silly he must have sounded. What are we doing out here? The boy asks as they blindly walk around the side of the house, where they're greeted by giant shadows rising up above them. Unable to properly see in the pitch black darkness, Toniston presumes they are the three hay bales. He looks around. The plains are vast and the spotlights out in the distance, now a purple colour, seem to be too far away to bring any real light to them. They do, however, look very pretty dancing on the rippling oceanic sky. Stand back, the silhouetted cub paw warns with his gruff but friendly voice, clearly able to see in the darkness better than the human who had constantly refused to eat his carrots. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Alrighty, we're back for Thrash and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Evan, and we're joined by Bobby Cronin, and I got the name right the first time. For the <laughs> listeners at home, before I said Bobby Conan, I've said it a million times, I'm a scatterbrain, it should surprise nobody. Um, now, obviously, Mary and Max is a melancholy story, and I was listening to you talk about your creative journey and, and how you got this part, and there was a, a bit of advice that your dad your late father had given to you that was if you're going to follow this career it's it's going to be a hard life and regardless of what the children at home think he's correct yes all right but, but do you think that perhaps the internet and like these influences and reality tv it's diluted that and has given perhaps a perceived fantasy path people think it's a little bit more tangible that they think i can just go viral and i'll be famous mm. So they're doing everything they can to go viral. I'm not a big, I don't really like social media. It's just, I like being a writer because I can hide behind the words. I can hide behind the music. However, people that have used it to advance their, I sp specifically writers that have done it to advance their careers, like kudos to them. I will say, however, those are people that are also performers. It's not like they're writing stuff than asking someone to sing it. Yeah. They're writing it and singing it. And I maybe three times in my writing career have put out a video of me singing. Just, it's just not, I love singing, I teach singing. It's just, it's, I look at it, it is so vulnerable and I'm already writing the material, which is so vulnerable. So I feel like when I'm singing my own material that I'm just asking for people to like beat me up. Yeah. And that's just how I personally feel, <laughs> but, um, you know, like the Bridgerton thing and Ratatouille, like, that's cool. Like, good for them. You know, they, at first I was like, are you kidding me? TikTok, rah, 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 rah. but then I watched it and I was like, that's good. It's really good. It's just not something that I really have time to do. You know, I have, I could show you, I have four huge mirror um, closet doors. And on those mirrors, I have this pen that I can write on the mirrors, and it's all stuff for the different projects that I'm working on that, yeah. that I need to do that. And I work on multiple projects at once so that I stay out of trouble. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think when it comes to an actor, I think that's very different. It's yeah. something that I really respect about London, which is that in order to, to succeed over there, you have to be trained. Yeah. They, 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 they take it very seriously. Over here in America, you can have, you know, a nice set of teeth and 
tits pretty guy yeah exactly yeah and get yourself a bazillion followers and then your life has changed and sometimes it works out because sometimes they're quite good but sometimes it doesn't work out and your comment aaron about tiktok and influencers you i think you'll find a lot of the most popular successful you know tiktok stars there's a lot of production going on i know there's a lot of editing there's there's some amazing visual effects going on that people don't notice and they and they yeah they're going oh i could just do a video like that and be viral and, i know and, you know get followers and it's like no that that yeah. video took that guy three weeks to make yeah right. it's right. created this fantasy this illusion for for kids some of them do it so well you don't even notice yeah right yeah and then you have uh there's there's this guy captain disillusion on uh on youtube who sits there and breaks down these videos and goes no this is how we did it it's it's compositing and it's editing and it's green screening and it's oh, the wow. computer graphics and it you know they, they've married all these together to come out with this one shot yeah you know and it would have taken weeks to do yeah no it's i watched a um youtube video before and there was someone selling me a product and she's sitting there with her dog and i'm and she's like hi i'm taylor or <laughs> i have no fucking clue who she is that's why i'm sitting here going who are you why are you selling me this? You know, in Japan, they will pay millions of dollars to get Robert De Niro or right. Tom Cruise over there to sell them coffee or to sell them fucking mm. underwear. I'm having some asshole from Instagram. <laughs> I don't know who she is. What is she doing? What is her talent in this world? But then you see so many kids that will look at her and go, I want to be like her because she has everything and I can do that. And where's the fucking art, people? Mm. I think it's I think it's 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 screwing up artists, in in my opinion, because that's now our competition. You're not my competition anymore, Bobby, as a fellow writer. Our competition, we're on the same side now. Our competition are people who don't have talent. And that's this is where I have a problem and why I have a microphone and a podcast <laughs> but anyway speaking of also things that get me fired up what has been your experience uh, your observations and your personal professional experience with standing ovations do you feel that audiences are maybe again influenced by reality tv and these oh yes completely wow <laughs> i'm probably gonna be have people very upset with what i'm about to say but i saw jagged little pill yeah, when it was uh, out of town in, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, at Harvard, out of nowhere, three times in the middle of the show, people stood up and clapped. And, yeah, and I was like, sort of like your your wife in watching Mary. I was like, am I in the same, am I in the same building? Like, yeah. what just merited that? Yeah. I I was I was very confused as to, but. I think what you just said was perfect. I think it's all these singing shows, all these that you're giving an audience, um, you're telling them that being loud and responsive is letting us know how much they like it in that moment, instead of how we were raised of you wait until the end. Yeah. Yeah. On the stage, we just want to tell the fucking story, like sit down because everything is timed. What, what these audiences don't realize, like this is what annoyed me about that thing of Wicked, which I know I'm right. totally an old grump and a curmudgeon. Do you think people <laughs> are going to come after you for a new show? Wicked is 20 years old nearly right. and I'm bad mouthing it here. I understand it's COVID and you've just come back. We went through that in Melbourne. Yes, I get that. Right. I totally do. However, I don't care about how much of a fan you are. Right. I don't need to see that. And the, the people on the show, their th thank you is an applause when they have broken 
the boundaries and exceeded the night before and every other night before, that's when you stand up and show your standing ovation. No, I think for Wicked, I mean, I know a lot of people that were in that audience and they, they were theater people. So I think you were getting a lot of theater people just couldn't believe that they were finally back in a theater in on yeah. Broadway. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's and no offense to, to Boston or you know the smaller theaters, which is it's, which is great that they're coming back coming back as well. But this is Broadway. Yeah, That's and cool. most of our lives uh, for the for the last almost two years are anyone involved in theater. Our lives have been completely completely changed. Everyone's lives yeah. have been changed. I understand that, but other people could find a you know. They work from home. We can't do a, a production in my backyard like that. Well, you could, but it just wouldn't, mm, be, very it wouldn't be very good. So I think that's what that was. Now, I will say I saw Thoroughly Modern Millie in previews. And I remember Cheetah Rivera was sitting behind me and Gimme Gimme ended. Mm-hmm. And I had never in my life experienced this, but I found myself standing and clapping because it was freaking it was one of the most thrilling theater moments i can remember other than the opening of lying but it was just so that i don't even remember standing i just was standing that was the only time that i've participated in a middle of show standing ovation um it was just sutton was that moment was just like masterful the writing all of it the staging everything just worked and Cheetah Rivera was standing as well now it's interesting that you bring up standing ovations because we were told in Austria people don't do that and same with Australia and we got a we got a five minute standing ovation opening night I cried there's photos I'm sure you've seen of me like (laughs) but no no, but I do I think you're right like like um I don't know what you have over there, but like American Idol, uh, the X Factor, all those are, you are telling the the person on stage as they're performing for you, you're telling them how good they are in the moment by yeah. screaming. Yeah. Which is not what theater is supposed to be. No, it's, it is a tight operation. It's clockwork. Yeah. Wicked is literally clockwork. The whole yes. stage is a clock. <laughs> so for is. every show, if, if going, proceeding forth, people watching that video, this is my concern, is that they're going to think that as soon oh. as Galinda comes in, they've got to stand up and start screaming for her. The bitch hasn't opened her fucking mouth yet, man. You don't know she's going to burp or what. Goodness gracious. Ah, ah, sorry. <laughs> I think there probably will be a bit of that, but, you know, they'll, they'll get over it'll it. It'll wane, yeah. It'll wane, yeah. Um, and any any Galinda out there, you are not a bitch. I promise you I have so much love and respect it's because I am so goddamn passionate about this and a third topic i am completely passionate about is something i always say is that an artist is never satisfied with their own work or with their previous work or their future work does this ring true for you uh yeah yes yes very much uh if i do a concert i don't like it being videoed i don't like to watch it back i i like things to be in the moment yeah I mean, yeah, I don't think any artist is ever like, it is done. It is perfect. It is, mm-hmm. you know, there are things always. And yeah, I look back at some of my older work and I'm like, seriously, wow, mm-hmm. that was terrible. That was a, that was a terrible <laughs> song, Bobby. That was not a good song. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that's part of growing as an artist is that, so quickly, this rock piece of mine, 
that was one of the first pieces I started writing. It was an original idea and it was optioned by Broadway producers in 2012. And it was a three-year deal. And at the end of the three-year deal, we agreed um, to part ways. It was not how I saw the piece and I didn't think they hired the right director and all that stuff. And so um, the piece never went anywhere. I recently picked it back up because a publisher reached out to me and said, hey, I heard that you have a, a show with teenagers in it. We're looking for some shows with teenagers. Would, could you send it to us? And I was like, no, I need to look at it. I have no idea what it is. And I looked at it and I could see all of the flaws. Like, boom, I was like, wrong, 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 cut, move, but, but, but. Just from having been working on so many projects over the last handful of years and in different, different um, mediums, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned in podcast world, like short and sweet, shut up, just get there. Um, in writing musical films, songs can't be longer than two and a half minutes, or it feels like they are twenty minutes long. So I, I decided to give the piece a, a handful of rewrites. I ended up inviting a group of people to get together to do a table read, yeah, no music cool. at all, and I invited this young producer who, a financier, had put us together to work on a commission. And he at intermission was like, I want this. And I was like, seriously? He was like, this is so marketable. This is so current. How did you like, what did you? And we then did another reading for the finance person and same thing happened. She was like, yep, let's get the contracts going. And so that show is suddenly back in, in, you know, I cut like half of the songs because they were crappy. Mm-hmm. Or I kept the music and, and was like, God, these lyrics, how many, how many times are you going to rhyme? Like, are you going to do 55 rhymes in one sentence? Yeah. Do you think you're that? <laughs> I take that personally. Thank you very much. You've heard my introductions. <laughs> all, all I really want to know is, is, is how far away are we from seeing Mary and Max on a stage uh, in English would be nice because I, I really don't want to have to learn German. In Australia, in Melbourne, with me directing. I have a feeling in America it will be in a 2022-2023 um, season somewhere. We did, um, so Mary Max is one of the pieces I did a Zoom reading of and invited producers from another project of mine that had been following Mary and Max, but they sort of never thought that it was like their thing. And then they heard this new version of it and 10 minutes after it was over, they texted me and said, we just put an offer into your attorney. Mm, wow. So we're doing the contracts for that right now. We're still, you know, contracts take forever in America. And all of my British contracts have been like, boom, fast, super easy. But in America, they're super detailed. So once that piece is uh, secured for these producers, we'll be able to start moving forward. I'm doing a little concert next month, uh, no, in November, mm-hmm. um, of the two pieces of mine that they have optioned. Uh, one is called Concrete Jungle and then Mary and Max. So we're going to have a cast of Concrete Jungle and a cast of Mary and Max. And we'll do like eight yeah. songs from each piece. But no, it's, I think the piece is ready to to go. We just have to now, you know, the producers need to do their thing. So everything else, all those other productions, I got on my own. Those were just me hustling, working my tail off. So, right. So, so I've unfortunately fallen in love with something that doesn't exist yet. Not yet. And won't for a long time. Well, not hopefully not that long. Yeah, mate, I've been in love with my husband for years and he does not exist. So. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go. Thank you so much for, for seeing Talk To. It's been an absolute pleasure. It was I've, so nice to meet you. 
Thank you. And thank you for what you said about the show. I greatly appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've found a new thing to love. Um, I'm going to put it on in the car and because and, no, my wife hasn't heard the musical version of it yet. Um, maybe I'll win her over. Yeah, we'll cool. see. But thank um, you. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much. Say thank you thank to you. her for me because I know this week is full on. I haven't told her about the third one yet. Yeah. Well, Dad, just you should it. have known, but because we did go through it, I did show up my screen remember and we went through it so i don't i don't pay attention unless well, it's <laughs> unless it's directly in front of me like i was directly in front of you on the screen i worry about the next thing and then once that's done i'll worry yeah. about the one after okay well yeah. it's but no cinderella versus twisted sister with david zippel oh yeah david oh big fan great lyricist anyways thank you evan and i won't keep you much longer thank you Evan. thank you so much i can't wait to see this one day. Thank yes. you. In Thank Melbourne you so first with me directing. Uh, yeah. Let's make it let's make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Now just I've got one last question. Okay. Who would you cast in Mary and Max the movie musical? Mm. Wow. Wow. That's my favorite response from any guest. That's that's a really cool question. Yeah. I would say the, the woman who has developed Mary in America, her name is Lauren Elder. Anytime anyone has seen her do anything from this, they're like, who is that woman? I mean, she's been in Broadway shows, but she, I, I basically wrote the show for her, wrote Mary in like her vocal range. She's Mary on all the recordings. Um, there's just something, I think she may have even been the person that told me to look at the film. Yeah, there you go. Now for Max, hmm. Do you know Shuler Hensley over here, uh, yeah, Tony Winner? Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he does a lot of film and television. Yeah, um, he did, um, didn't he do Young Frankenstein? Yes. Yes, we're doing that tonight with Hadley. Yeah. Oh, cool. He won his Tony for Oklahoma. That's right. And when I started writing Max, he was who I had in my head. And he's done a few presentations of it, and I'm very grateful that he happens to love it. Yeah. So um, he'll be doing that concert as well because he's in town. He doesn't live in New York. He lives in Atlanta. Um, but he'll be doing um, Music Man on Broadway. So he'll be able to do a couple songs in the concert. Yeah, I've never thought, though, of like major movie stars of who would, I don't, I don't know. James Corden? Meryl, Meryl, Meryl Streep could, no, anyone but him. <laughs> no offense to him. I don't, I don't even know him, but like. But, you know, I've, I've come to the end of my questions because I think we've explored Mary and Max. Um, what's next? Like, what have you got? Obviously, got some things cooking. Next, I go to London for a play of Crystal Skillman's that's being produced there, and I'm writing the score. Yeah. Because it's, it's a play with music. Uh, mm -hmm. There are a couple, like, little songs in there, but it's a very scored piece. It's a very cinematic yeah. piece of theater. So that mm -hmm. opens, uh, I believe it's February 17th it opens in London. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's the most secure thing that I have on my calendar. Yeah. You know, just because we're still Broadway's back, but some theaters aren't. And, and some theaters that had announced seasons have already retracted some of those shows. Mm -hmm. So because of Delta, good old Delta. Yeah, that's what has me in lockdown at the moment. My gosh, it's, it's all I'm going crazy. <laughs> just a nightmare. Yes, no, but like last year was fine. I've said this numerous times, like I, I was fine because I'm a bit of a hermit anyways. So am I. Yeah, this time around, I'm fully vaxxed. 
and I'm doing nothing but reliving conversations that I've had already in the past with people uh-huh. and having to edit them. And so I, that my ability to go out and have conversations with people at a pub or whatever is inhibited. So I'm reliving the same conversations over and over again. <laughs> That's uh, what is life. Um, but anyway, so where can people find you on the social medias? Cronin Bobby is yep. Instagram. Everything else is Bobby Cronin. And I got a cool new website that has a lot of audio stuff and photos. Great, really cool new website, Yeah, uh, which is bobbycronin.com. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mostly use Instagram. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite one. Really? Yeah, just it's super easy. It's super fast. Facebook is too political. TikTok, I could watch for hours, but I don't want to post anything, but I could watch it for hours because it's, I think people make some really cool stuff and it's very funny and silly. That's where you can find me. And yeah. Twitter, I don't know. I don't. I. I don't like Twitter. I. I can sometimes. A side of me comes out that I'm like, I can't believe I wrote that. I can't believe I just said that to someone. Mm-hmm. Twitter, everyone's so mean. So I'm like, you know. yeah, I know. Uh, but anyways, yeah, no, that's it. Uh, a huge thanks to Bobby Cronin for joining us. If you're in the New York area, be sure to grab tickets to Bobby's upcoming show at the Green Room Forty Two on November eighth. And that'll be showcasing music from Maria Max. Uh, you can find us on the socials at Thrash and Treasure. Uh, be sure to comment, like, subscribe, all that jazz. I don't know. Uh, Gareth was better at doing that. I'm just like, just listen. Like, I don't really care if you give us a, a star review. Give us a two star review. There you go. I feel good saying that. Saying, give me a five star review. Shitty. Like, I want to earn that. It it would be wrong and against my whole standing ovation thing if I was to sit here and say, please give me a five-star review. Fuck off, no. You do what you want. If you like us, support us. That'd be awesome. Buy the Tunniston Tales. That'd be even awesomer. They are really, really cool books. They're awesomest, if you will. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of days with a special Halloween episode, which we're dubbing Hadley Ween. Okay, no, that sounds really wrong. Apologies to Hadley Fraser for that one. Uh, We'll call the episode something else. But it is our Halloween special. As you heard before, we're doing Young Frankenstein and an album by Dream Theater, as it's spelt. So look forward to that one. Anyways, for everyone at home, you take care and we shall see you next time. Hooroo. Great. Awesome. Thank you.